I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. It's Cormac and Susha here on Room 104, and I find this stuff, the next person we're going to talk about, I find it mind-blowing, scary and fascinating all at the same time. Yeah, it really is, because uh, people are at a point where they're extremely superficial. Yep. To the point where they want to have certain eye colour, hair colour, mm-hmm. and would like kids to also have the same. Yeah. I know a woman who dyes her child's hair, has done since she was four. Blonde Four Four Now I don't know if there's any Legal I wouldn't say legal But maybe moral or ethical Oh yeah I mean why She wanted her to have blonde hair So she started dyeing her hair When she was four Yeah Like that's a bit much isn't it A little bit much So obviously we're talking Designer babies Which is one of those buzzwords That's come out of the last while Because Mm -hmm. The technology behind Genetically engineering embryos and the human DNA has gotten incredibly more advanced and incredibly more accurate and incredibly more powerful I suppose over the last number of years. Joining us now to talk about uh, just that topic he is from the Arate University in Dundee, Dr. Kevin Smith, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thanks. I suppose question number one, for someone who has never heard of the term designer baby, or how would you describe designer baby to the, the, the average man on the street? Yeah, well I, I don't like that term at all I mean it conjures up all sorts of negative images yeah. and you know as you were saying bl- blonde haired, blue eyed kind of super tall children and uh, so I don't like it but you know, genetic modification that's a bit different And what does that involve? What you're doing there is you're going in at the embryo stage at the very start of life of course and you're using precision techniques to go in and choose to precisely alter certain sequences within the genome and the point of doing that is to try and avoid the child developing a genetic disorder could be a horrendous genetic disorder that that otherwise would develop or else it could be that the parents would simply be unable to have a child for fear of this genetic disorder so i think it's a really good thing and it doesn't really need to have to be anything to do with you know blonde haired blue-eyed children yeah i suppose it always it always tends to you know, when this topic of genetic modification comes up, yeah. even, even you know, you hear when people genetically modified foods, mm. obviously some foods have been genetically modified to withstand drought or certain bacteria, so they make it yeah. safer for human consumption. But people hear that term and they lose their mind. I mean, why do you think that is? They do, they do. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, 
there has been a lot of negative propaganda. Some people have got an axe to grind and they, they like to scare us, perhaps using terms like genetic pollution in the case of GM food and certainly designer babies seems to be a rather pejoratively used term. So some people, you know, just don't like it and they want to get their ideas out there. Um, I'd like to kind of oppose that. I, I guess as well that there is a kind of sense of, of something rather science fiction-y about it. And we're humans, we tend to be a little bit erring the side of caution. If we hear something a bit new and scary, I guess we don't want to go ahead. But, you know, that can be uh, an intuition that could hold us back. And I think good science and ethics often ha- has to try to work to override that kind of gut feeling. So you're obviously, as I said, you're looking for more of a, a nearly a therapeutic intervention, as you said, for families and people who yeah. who have a risk of having an inherited disease or, 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 or things like yeah. that. How f- like, where's the science at right now? How far are we away from being able to alter the DNA so that a child might be able to be born without inheriting a genetic defect? I think we're, we're really there now. I mean, the technology has just been getting better and better in the last few years. We've been able to do these kind of gen- genetic modifications in animals for some time, but uh, the, the techniques are getting really well honed. They're not without risk. I totally accept that. But... Um, we, we, we can't just keep on waiting around and saying, oh, the techniques have got to get absolutely perfect and guarantee utter safety or else we'll never get started. So I think that right now the techniques are safe enough so that in the case of certain disorders, carefully selected parents who, who, who are willing to go ahead, we should uh, give this a go under carefully controlled circumstances. I mean, it's brilliant that you can you have the technology to do that, but... Where does it end then? So if you can, you know, I guess design yeah. a baby and you can include what what you want in it, intelligence and so on and yeah. looks and all that. I know that is a thing because I've seen a show on TV about that where you can, yeah. you know, like what what's your take on all of that? Well, I mean, of, of course, when, when people make individual choices about about their children, if if that could have uh, a negative effect in society, I think society is ethically bound to to regulate that. Um, so, for example, using rather simpler techniques than I'm talking about, we have the ability to select the sex of of children, basically by like selective abortion, for example, and. Um, I, I think that if we were allowed that to, to, to go ahead willy-nilly, you, you, you could potentially have an imbalance of the sexes in society, which clearly wouldn't be a good thing. So, you know, we want to give parents as much individual choice as possible, but, but, but when it go, does come to a potential strong impact negatively in society, we as a society want to regulate against that. There's nothing wrong with that kind of regulation, in my view. But I would stress that with the genetic modification side of things, we're nowhere near that yet society will have to consider these possibilities but right now even using the very best technology it would be quite onerous on uh, the parents on the women in particular to go through this and i don't think they would be doing it for trivial reasons i suppose that's a good point it, it, it yeah we forget that there's obviously procedures behind this it's not as if you're taking something off a menu and then nine months no. later they bring you back your designed child going yeah there you go, there you go. It's perfect. Yeah. although in saying that if you know a lot of a lot of women are going down the route of sperm donors at the moment and yeah. you get to kind of pick where that person might be from what they do job wise yeah. uh, so yeah. you are kind of modifying it in that way yeah. in that sense that, 
Yeah, I think I think so. That, that that's an interesting point. That people people will do this, and they're already do, do, doing it. Um, we, we could use that as a good analogy, perhaps. Um, do we want to stop sperm donation on the basis that yes, some people will to a degree select the characteristics of um, the, the, the resultant children? Well, you could take that line, but again, I don't think that's very helpful because sperm donation can give rise to children that otherwise wouldn't have come into being. So it's generally a good thing. I think with any me- medical technology, you, you can always see some downsides, but to stop the technology at its early stages or to you know hold it up forever, I think would be a very... Actually, I think it'd be ethically reprehensible to do that and we'd be, be holding back a lot of progress and you know, we'd be denying a lot of parents and their future children happy lives, really. Yeah. And where is the, the kind of international community on this? Because I, I remember hearing something that, you know, there was people calling out for a, yeah. what's it, a moratorium on the research until we yeah. figured out some of the ethical and moral issues. Mm. And then was it Chinese researchers just kind of said, yeah, we're going to do our own thing? Yeah, uh, huge inquiry. Uh, a year ago, of course, today, we heard that this monumental news that uh, he had uh, apparently produced the, the world's first genetically modified babies. I, I think actually that set the whole field back because it hardened opposition yeah. to this potentially good technology, you know? Um, and of course, that that uh, that scientist, who I don't personally know, but certainly I think he's landed himself in a lot of hot water, and quite rightly by all accounts, because he seemed to go ahead with an ethically very problematic protocol and the science wasn't as good as it should have been. So I think that was a, a great a great pity in the field. And, yeah, it has led to calls for a moratorium. As I say, I, perhaps I, I'm, I'm not going with, with the views of, of many others here. I know I'm not, but I think that kind of moratorium is uh, really invidious to the, the, the notion of progress and the great that can come from this technology. I'd be most depressed if we if we stick with a moratorium. I don't know if it's going to happen internationally. Of course, different countries come up can yeah. come up with their own rules. But certainly here, there's a very negative attitude. I think that prevails. Yeah. Um, where would mm. you see the technology? Like, where would you see that this field in, let's say, fifty years' time? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. You know, it's like all new technology. I think it's. Uh, very unwise to make anything like precise predictions. You look back at, say, computing, yeah. where just a few decades ago, we had just a handful of computers in the whole world, and I don't think anybody thought or could have predicted that we'd have one in or several in every house in many cases. So I'd be really hesitant to, to make those predictions. And, you know, scientists, we're often accused with some justice of being over-optimistic and thinking, oh, yeah, just in a few years, we'll have cured and eliminated that, that, this, and the next disease. And, you know, too often it, it doesn't really happen. It, it takes many more years, perhaps. So it's really hard to determine, to, to guess at the, the rate of progress. But I think one thing's for sure, the longer we delay it, the longer it will take to get to that kind of much better situation. So, Kevin, are you saying in my lifetime that I won't be able to 3D print my baby? <laughs> <laughs> With all the genes I, you want. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be quite safe. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, no, you wouldn't have lived. would be like a little oh, Lego kid at home. You'd yeah, like, I'd right, love that. Just, I'm all out of DNA. All right, need some more DNA here before we can print this. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, Imagine. I mean, one thing that might happen is, is within that kind of time period is ectogenesis. Where you're aware of this? No. 
you, you well, you basically have um, a completely artificial uterus, so the woman doesn't have to go through the, the shall we say, the inconvenience of gestation. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to be around during that time. Hang on. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that it thing, obviously has its benefits. That'd be so handy. Hang on, we already have artificial wombs. Well, no, I mean, not, 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 not in now. the sense of a... A, a, a completely separate womb that kind of sits in the corner of your living room, perhaps, <laughs> and does the work. But that, 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 that is coming, yeah. Oh, God. That's amazing. I love that idea. Yeah. yeah. No, we really won't be needed. No. You'll be like, we have this one, lads. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, don't worry. We, uh... we can get the sperm donor and the womb that is in the corner of my room there, and uh, then I'll and 3D print work, my baby. And it'll be printed <laughs> by the time I'm home. My God. Uh... So, um, to, to, again, to somebody who's listening right now who hears the term genetic modification when it comes to either... Um, any form of genetic modification who kind of gets a little bit scared and frightened and a little bit oh god Um, or let's say even if there was someone from our health department that's listening to the show right Yeah. and is even considering making policies on these things here and and in Europe and around the world what would you say to someone who's a little bit apprehensive about this technology? Well firstly in terms of genetic modification in itself what that means is using precision techniques to deliberately alter sequences in a very controlled way. And that's to be contrasted with uh, basically what goes on in nature, which is every single time that an embryo is created, each of us will sustain probably about 100 um, random mutations that will do things to our genomes, not all of which are are to be desired. Um, Whereas if we're going in and tweaking the genome in these precise ways for very good reason, I think that um, there there should be no hesitation in doing that as long as we're using the cutting-edge technology that has the very highest chance of success. Very exciting stuff to come. It's fair. Isn't it? It's fascinating, and I think there'll be a a lot more of these conversations, arguments and debates that'll be happening over the next number of years. But uh, Dr. um, Kevin Smith, thank you very much for giving up your time this evening. Oh, you're very welcome. I suppose, yeah, who knows, we might be chatting to you again very soon in the very near future. That would be good. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.